Welcome to Grease Chats, everyone. In today's episode, I am joined by Christopher Andre Marks. Christopher is a director, writer, and producer. His most recent work includes the acclaimed feature documentary King Otto, which was released theatrically and on streaming platforms worldwide. He has previously worked with HBO documentaries, HBO Sports, and ESPN Films Emmy Award winning 30 for 30. His work has also premiered at film festivals like South by Southwest and the Tribeca Film Festival. He is American of Greek descent and is a graduate of New York University's Tisch School of the Arts Film Program. Join me as I talk to Christopher about his most recent film, King Otto, the story of the 2004 Greek national team and their road to glory at the 2004 Euro Cup. Let's jump right into this conversation. Hey guys, before we jump into this episode, a quick note about our sponsor, Prosperity. Prosperity is quickly becoming the best way to buy and sell a property in Greece. I've met the team behind the project and let me tell you, they have built quite the experience. Search for your dream home in Greece, but do it all digitally. Find the home, tour it virtually, submit an offer, prepare the legal documents, and even apply for a mortgage. All on theprosperty.com. I myself am in the market for a home in Greece, and I will be using Prosperity all summer to make my decision by this fall as to where I will be moving to in Greece. All right, let's get back to Greece chats. Hey, Christopher. How are you, man? Good. How are you, Tony? I'm all right. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Um, Really excited about this chat we're going to have today because it's really really cool story for obvious reasons uh but before we jump into that why don't we start from the beginning introduce yourself i am my name is christopher marks i'm the director of king auto awesome um so tell me tell me your story like where does this begin where does just take me back and a little bit more about christopher and obviously you directed king auto about filmmaking Yeah, uh, so I I went to film school at uh, New York University. And uh, so after finishing film school there, I went to work for um, for HBO uh, Sports, HBO Documentaries, and uh, I made ESPN Films, and I made a 30 for 30 documentary for them. Uh, And, you know, that film I made for them premiered at South by Southwest. And after one of the screenings, like a panel discussion, this guy was was kind of like, well, you know, this is great. What, you know, I don't think there are any good sports stories that are really like transcend borders. And it's like an international sports story. I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, the Greeks, the Greeks won the Euro with right. the coach and it's this great culture story that hasn't been told. And they were, you know, up against 300 to one odds and all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, but that's, you know, that's in Greece. And, you know, it's hard to shoot in Greece. It's like, well, I'm Greek, so <laughs> I'm going to go try it. I mean, it hadn't been made in, at that point, it was maybe 13 years, 14 years. It hadn't been made. And I was like, well, you know, someone's got to make this. So that's why, I, you know, I kind of set out and, and, you know, tried to try to bring it home. So you mentioned HBO, ESPN. Talk to me about, before King Otto, some of the films you worked on with, with them. Yeah, I worked uh, with HBO documentaries and with HBO Sports on this 24-7 uh, a, a sports series. They do boxing and they do... Uh, ice hockey show 
Um, and it's, it's a great, it's like a reality show that followed um, two teams as they go to one main event or two fighters and they follow up to, to one big, you know, big fight. But what was great about working with them is they were the premier, especially at the time, they were the premier sports doc world. Both ESPN and HBO Sports were kind of the ones that were setting the, uh, setting the standard for, for the rest of the sports doc world. And so, you know, I think learning from great producers there uh, was very helpful to me uh, coming out of school. And, you know, I wanted to replicate that. And I was fortunate to work with the SP Awards, too, with the SPN, and they really make a lot of great content. So I was exposed to kind of that, uh, you know, top level doc filmmaking uh, that I wanted to make myself. And so then when I had the opportunity to, to start directing myself, that was kind of the path I wanted to follow where they really focused on the story and making it a movie. And you don't really feel like you're watching a documentary. You don't feel like they're just talking at you. You kind of feel like they, you know, they, they have a movie and they have a story and this just happened to be the best method documentary format to tell that story rather than just, you know, telling you what to feel and what to think and all that stuff, which is, you know, more just kind of journalism rather than filmmaking. Right. Right. Um, what, what led you to filmmaking? Is this something as a kid growing up? Is this what you always wanted to do? Or is this something else that you your dreams uh, were full of? Yeah, I was playing I was playing sports. I was playing uh, ice hockey growing up and soccer as well uh, and basketball. But ice hockey was my main uh, focus. And then, um, you know, at some point I decided that, you know, I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to follow that path anymore. Um, I had an injury and it was just kind of like a different, uh, a turning point for me when I was in my, you know, it was like 16 or 17. And, um, so even though I was focused on, on hockey and sport at that point, I would always kind of been in the background thinking about, you know, doing film. And I remember as a kid, I would always be interested in make little films and things like that as a lot of people did, but I kind of wanted to get away from hockey at that point. Um, and I was like, well, what's the one thing I did when I was a kid that was fun and uh, I enjoyed doing and it was filmmaking. Uh, so I, I went from one, uh, you know, completely preposterous career to, <laughs> to another. Uh, and I went to, but I figured NYU would be as far away from hockey uh, as I could get. And so I, I went to, to New York and went to school there. But then, you know, my first job out of school was working on a show at HBO with dealing with hockey so it was kind of a <laughs> kind of like you can't get away from it but. yeah yeah for sure amazing so now now let's get to the the your story what what led you what inspires you to take this on like is this a story that you saw no one was touching and you just said i gotta do this well how did this go how did this play out yeah, I mean, being Greek is always one of those, it's like that transformative moment when you remember what happened in 2004, not just because yeah. of the Euro, but, you know, we had the Olympics, we had, yeah. I think we won the Eurovision thing the next year. We yeah, won, it was a big year. Eurobasket the following year. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like our moment. Uh, yeah. So I remember that, I was like 17 at the time, and I remember just how, how, how what it felt like for Greece to be kind of like the center of, the world, everyone, the whole eyes were on Greece for a variety of reasons. And, you know, that was, um, that was always, I remember that moment. I remember when the, when the games were happening and being together with friends and family and how important that was. And I was at a wedding at the time, uh, of the check in the check game, the semifinal when Bella scores 
and like the wedding stopped and the priest stopped and, and it was like we needed to watch what was going on like it was it's incredible that transformative for for all of us Greeks and so I just remember that being a story I was like well somebody's got to make this because this is like you know this is a movie in and of itself it's one of the great underdog sports stories that hadn't been told uh so you know flash forward maybe 10 years or whenever it was when I was you know starting work I was thinking, you know, this is a story that I'd like to try to make and, you know, hopefully nobody makes it before me. Uh, and, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, I just decided to, to kind of go forward and, and move to Athens and was living between Athens and London. And it was kind of like, a, you know, it was, a, it was a big change and it was a challenge, but it was one of those, I felt like that, you know, you felt like you needed to tell this story right because it was so important to so many people. So it was kind of, uh, felt like I needed to, you know, at least give it a shot. Right. So when did this project start? Uh, we started about four, four and a half years ago. Um, and there were COVID delays, but we were working through the whole COVID situation. But um, yeah, we started about that. We, we filmed uh, with the players first and then with Mr. Ray Hoggle. And then a lot of the in documentaries, a lot of the storytelling and the, the writing really takes place in the editing room. So that was kind of where and you have to go through thousands upon thousands of hours of archival footage, um, which, you know, you have to find the right moments and things like that. And, and with this, there was actually a challenge because Mr. Ray Hoggle, uh, the coach of the team, like specifically is like, you cannot, wouldn't let cameras, wouldn't let press, wouldn't let them to be involved with anybody. It was like in a complete lockdown, uh, which was great for the results of the tournament, but not great when you're trying to source uh, archival footage for a documentary on it. Uh, so we really kind of went to a bunch of different countries and went through, you know, different different outlets and you know those that had its challenges because there was different languages. Uh, you know, a lot of the archival was in German or it was in French or in different languages, and we had to kind of decipher that and uh, find the right moments for the story. So you mentioned you you worked your way around COVID, but how how did the pandemic affect it? Were there significant delays? Yeah, so we were gonna. I mean, initially, the plan was to release um, theatrically in a bunch of different countries at the same time uh, in coordination with the European championships that were going to take place that summer, which also was supposed to be a pan-European tournament. I mean, so it was going to be in London. And I mean, it ended up being that way, if you, you know, delayed. But initially, that was the plan. Uh, and so we were going to release near then and then with the pandemic obviously everything got delayed we didn't know if there was going to be a euro or when it was going to be uh just like everybody else uh in terms of uncertainty so we kind of we released it not the best time but we released it in kind of a hybrid approach so we released first in australia and then um unfortunately the day of our release melbourne went into lockdown so it was our key, you know, situation with Greeks in Melbourne, but it was just kind of had to roll with the punches and go with, go with it. And certain, you know, a lot of countries had cinemas locked down for the longest time. So it was unpredictable. So we released in some places in cinema, some places on streaming, um, and it kind of went with it and at a staggered hybrid model, basically. And then we just released obviously in the United States and in Canada, um, on March 25th. Amazing. What players were part of this film? Yeah, the players were really great to work with. It was, you know, it was an honor to work with them. And, you know, just remembering being a 17-year-old watching them and then, you know, filming with them was great. Um, and, you know, it was Yorgos Karagounis, Adonis Nikopolidis, um, Trayanos Delas, 
uh, you know, Yorka Sedaridis, and then of course, Mr. Ray Hoggle, and Mr. Topolidis, Mr. Gagatsis, the Federation chief. I mean, they all were really, really gracious with their time and it was great to work with them. And, um, you know, it was fun to just be, it was fun, especially with the premier uh, here, bringing them to the United States, I think for one, for the first time, not all of them, but uh, so it was just kind of the first time that story and that group were here together and just spending a week with them was, was really fun. You, you, you touched on like the interviews and the fun when without spoiling anything. I mean, we all know the story, but in the film, we uh, <laughs> what I enjoyed, the, yeah, we win, right? What I, the one part that I, every time I think of this scene, I crack up is when I believe he was the, the chief when yeah. you first introduce him and he's got the facial expression on like uh, that scene, the whole room just erupted in laughter. That was, that was just, perfectly placed i love that uh because it showed it's it's it picked it really well of how the country viewed the national team at the moment before the euro yeah which was which we'll, we'll get to in a bit but uh what i wanted to ask you next is can you talk to me about what it was like working with players fans that during a regular season or during throughout the year, these guys are rivals, right? But now everyone's united for this particular moment. What talk, can you touch on that a bit? Yeah. I mean, in Greece, the, uh, you know, the national team was, especially at this time was looked at very differently. And it was looked at kind of, I mean, people didn't, the players didn't want to play for the national team. I mean, they, in Greece, everything is so, I mean, everyone's like the of the mother. You say, it's like, what team are you is like a very, yeah important identifier as to whether yeah. they're going to be friends kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. and, uh, and so that, you know, bled its way in with the players as well. And, you know, you had at some point, I mean, there were stories about how some of the players, not this team in particular, but prior wouldn't sit at the same lunch table as other players from, you know, by like both group would sit here, the Olympiagos group would sit here, Ike would sit here. And, you know, that doesn't foster <laughs> unity, obviously. Right. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of was one of the things that Mr. Rehagel changed was, you know, as a foreigner, he had no allegiances to Panathaikos or Olympiakos, right? He came in and he's like, I don't, I don't care where you play. Uh, you're playing for the national team and you're playing for Greece. Right. So that was kind of, I think, one of the things that really changed the mindset and changed the belief system uh, with the players and allowed, him, allowed them to trust him too, because he didn't have any you know, agendas. It wasn't like he was coming in and saying, you know, I'm coaching Panathaikos and that's why I want my Panathaikos guys instead of this guy from Ike or this guy from Olympiakos or wherever else. So that kind of, that actually worked, I think, in the favor of this team in particular because a foreigner coming in was able to kind of see it neutrally and see it. This is the tactics we need to play. This is my team. Uh, and this is what we're going to, these are the players we're going to select. And he brought some players who weren't playing, who hadn't played for the national team in a while, like Tranos Delos was playing in Rome, uh, at AS Roma. And he, but he knew he needed a big defender, like, like, you know, Tranos. So he, he went and brought him and convinced him to come back to the national team. So, I mean, those kind of things were all the, the little, little details, but little, you know, ingredients for the recipe for success. Right. Um, Aside from the players' feelings towards the national team, can you touch on how the fans viewed it prior to 04? 
Yeah, they were, I mean, in general, they were apathetic. I mean, it was kind of like they didn't care about the national team. And it was, you know, I think in the film, uh, the assistant coach, Mr. Topolides, talks about how, you know, in Germany, a practice, even in the middle of the night, would have 20,000 fans watching Germany for the German national team. And then you compare to the Greeks and, you know, they just tied England and they came back and they didn't even have 200 fans at their next match. So it was kind of like, okay, you tied England. But it's, you know, for, for that's a very big deal in the football world. But, you know, the yeah. Greek fans didn't care. So, um, no, you're right. And I like, I love how in the film it it shows that. And then instantly, like two seconds later, after a couple of wins, everyone's waving flags up and down the street. <laughs> it's how quickly things have changed when, when, when things are going good. Uh, what's one thing you learned from producing this film that you're going to take away with you? Yeah, you know, there were a lot of challenges uh, making it in different countries. I mean, I was based in pretty much everywhere that we needed to be, but we had archivists in Munich. We had our producers from London. Um, you know, I'm based in New York originally. Uh, our crew was in Athens. I was kind of like bouncing around these different places. Uh, I was also living in Paris for a time. So it was kind of this like nonstop, uh, you know, nomadic thing to try to hold it together and at every challenge uh you know i was just thinking i know it sounds cliche but really i was looking at inspiration from the team i was like well listen these guys i mean nobody nobody gave them a chance with uh you know to beat france nobody gave them an opportunity you know against the czech republic in the semifinal. so it was kind of like i took inspiration from them and i also learned a lot from from just getting to know these guys i mean mr ray hoggle's very inspirational to everybody, I think, that anyone who meets him um, in Germany, in Greece, anywhere. Um, and so just learning from his own lessons indirectly were, and the players as well, obviously, in their, their you know, never say die attitude and their spirit and their belief system was always, you know, inspirational for us making the film and for me as well. Amazing. What advice would you give someone trying to start out as a filmmaker? Uh, just to just go, just make it anyway, kind of thing. Everyone's always going to say no a thousand times about everything. I mean, with this, everybody was every was like, why are you going to go do that? Well, no one's made it before. There's probably a reason. Or, you know, oh, well, it's in Greece and, you know, it's difficult to shoot in Greece at this point and blah, blah, blah. And so it just kind of doesn't matter what people say, just kind of uh, keep going and, and also work with what you know um, and, and what you're comfortable with. Because a lot of people want to tell these massive, epic, sweeping you know, World War II dramas, but if, if you really know that, great. But if not, then focus on what, you know, your story is and your 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 comfort level and your, your comfort zone. Awesome. Well said. Uh, what is, how do you define success? Um, hmm. I think uh, meeting the expectation that, you know, you set for yourself and not really listening to the outsiders and, and you know, outside influence. Um, you know, that's something that Mr. Ray Hargrove said to the team a lot because, uh, you know, even after they were, you know, qualifying and doing all these things, I mean, the team, people forget that this team qualified the top of their group. I mean, alone, that's an accomplishment. But, yeah. but, but Greeks in Greece were still saying, ah, you know, you're going to, I think uh, Karagounis said the same in the film where he's like, ah, you're going to get the same that went to the United States in the 94 World Cup. It's that there was just that, that constant constant um external critic in that voice you just have to ignore and you know 
and meet your own meet your own goals. What inspires your work ethic? Um, I don't know. Uh, my drive, uh, I guess my drive, I don't know where that comes from. But uh, especially with this film, I think, was um, very much felt like we had a higher reason, like we needed to, we needed to get this right. It didn't matter if, you know, how many challenges, you know, it was kind of like one of those stories that we really, really wanted to bring uh, to Greeks worldwide and to non-Greek audience. And it felt like a story that, um, you know, it didn't matter what challenges you faced, we had to, we had to overcome them because it was too important to too many people. What do you enjoy most about what you do? Uh, it was great to, to work with the people that I worked with and, and being able to kind of bring back stories like this, especially to, you know, to the global audience where we released it. It was just really, it meant a lot to see, you know, uh, people show up in packed cinemas dressed in Greek jerseys and Greek flags. And, you know, in Australia, they wore their cleats and, <laughs> and shin guards to the, to the, uh, to the cinema. So, I mean, like that kind of a thing and just seeing that be a communal moment is really, was really fun and rewarding for us. So this is obviously completed. You obviously, you shot, everything's done. It's released. What's next for you? Uh, so we're working on a feature film that we're going to shoot in Greece uh, next summer. And so I'm headed to Greece um, to go start prep for that. Amazing. So that's, you said next summer? Yeah, next summer, but it's going to take a little while, but uh, yeah. I'm going to head there and work on it this summer and then uh, hopefully shooting next summer and releasing the following. So these two films aside, does Greece and Greek culture influence your work? Yeah, you know, it's right now, especially, uh, you know, I think they're really welcoming foreign productions in Greece and they've made it very attractive uh, to be able to to go there and, and shoot your films and, and, you know, they give a tax break and it's very much welcoming and, and changing the infrastructure that was needed in order to kind of facilitate these foreign productions that have, uh, you know, certain needs that need to be met in order to achieve them. Um, and, you know, to their credit, they're doing a great job in, in drawing films that could have been shot in Italy or could have been shot in France, but now are looking to Greece uh, for, for their own production needs. And I think that's great. And, and obviously being Greek is, you know, you can't, you're, it's always a, dominant trait in your identity so it's kind of uh yeah. you know it, to be able to couple greek stories with uh you know mainstream films has, has always been the dream so amazing all right so since we're talking greece let's transition a little bit to talking about greece where in greece is home for you uh, in athens but uh my family is kind of all over but we always end up going to athens and especially with this film uh getting to really live there and sustain time um more so than i had in the past was was really fun and i got to see it at a at a strange time in a way it was kind of the the i mean after 2004 obviously we kind of hit a peak and then we had a lull um to put it lightly and then uh that kind of rebirth and that regenesis uh, was right around the time we were filming it and seeing that transition to you know where greece is now where um you know i think the whole world's going to go to greece this summer and and people are yeah talking about it and everybody's looking at new opportunities and things like that to invest in yeah it's gonna be a, a big summer um athens aside where are some places in greece you like visiting uh so i like crete a lot of family in crete um your background obviously mykonos, mykonos. um 
and the cyclades obviously are beautiful and and i always find a way to go to uh, antiparos or somewhere around there um but i spent a lot of time in athens and and you know i think that uh it's really it's really becoming it's really i think doing the right things in terms of attracting uh foreign interest and all these things but keeping keeping true to its core now, aside from places you love visiting, are there any places in Greece that you haven't been to that you're looking forward to visiting one day? Yeah, I've never been to uh, to Corfu. I've always wanted to go to Corfu. Everybody always talks. I haven't been there either yet. I, I, all I hear is amazing things. Yeah, everyone always talks about it. I, I don't know why I haven't been, but I'm going to try to go and uh, check it out. What about you? Uh, Besides uh, the places I haven't gone that I'm looking forward to. Um, I've covered a lot of places so far, so it's a couple questions. This summer, a couple of the places I haven't been to that we're going to, uh, one is Amoros, which I've heard really good things about. And an interesting island that I pinpointed uh, that no one ever talks about this place, but the reason I want to go to go there is because they say that there's actually a desert there. And I didn't know there was a desert in Greece. It's uh, uh, Limnos. Uh, Limnos. Yeah, so we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna probably. I definitely want to go see it. So yeah, we'll see. But um, there's gonna be a few others that I haven't been to yet. But and there'll be a lot of repeats as well. So it should be fun. Right. I mean, it's it has so many great places. It's hard. To, yeah, it's yeah. wherever you pick, you can have a great time and you can have a memorable summer or winter or spring or fall. Exactly. Uh, what about aside from places in Greece you like visiting? What give me your three go-to Greek dishes? Three go-to Greek dishes. Uh, I mean, it's boring. They can be sides. They can be. Uh, I, I, mean, say, I mean, I like I like Horiatiki salata because it's like a staple. Yes, uh, it's always my that. choice. Without lettuce, though, you can't. I don't know what this. No, is. you can't put lettuce. Uh, I give it back when the is lettuce. It's not really Greek salad. Uh, okay, so but have you had a Horiat? So you say you've been to like places like Antiparos. Have you had the Horiatiki and the Kiklades with the Xino Visita instead of the Feta? Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. It's controversial yeah. because that really tastes good. So I don't know. Yeah, I, it I really tastes good. But it's like it is a certain, certain I, I, One time I was in Greece with a friend and it was three of us, and he was so stubborn about it's only supposed to be Feta. And yeah. I'm like, just adapt. Like, this is the local way, man. And he would refuse. He goes, I don't want to touch this. This isn't, this isn't correct. I'm like, uh, so I'm like, all right, compromise. Today we do this. Tomorrow we'll do feta. Then the next time we'll do this. And then we'll go to feta. And it got to the point where he goes, can you bring me feta on the side? I'm yeah, like, no, it really works. Yeah. Because you're like, well, why isn't everybody else doing this? But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's one of them. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, it's just a late night staple. And um, what else? I like fish in Greece just because it, you know, the way that they do it, where everything is just clean and just lemon olive oil. Um, that's yeah. what. I, Some good choices. Yeah. Good choices. I uh, you got yeah. the, the chicken souvlaki is obviously a go to. Yeah. Um, all right, I got one last question for you, and it's a question I ask everyone before I let them go. Uh, what does <clears throat> what does being Greek mean to you? Uh. <laughs> I think it means uh, respect for the past. I think in Greece that we we cultivate a lot of our identity off of you know ancient civilization, but also kind of what Greece feels like and what it is 
to i mean greece has a certain feeling that i don't have, that i don't think there is anywhere else and uh you know i think that without respect for the past kind of works its way you know into the culture I mean, when you walk around athens and you see the parthenon you know standing above everything you're, you're reminded of you know who we are and and i think that that kind of uh that respect for that past is what gives us an identity we're all set all right let us know how we can find the film plug yourself plug all the links that uh a listener may need to know to in order to find the film or yourself online yeah please uh the film's playing on uh, apple tv amazon prime all digital platforms um you can check out kingautomovie.com and that'll have a link to everything that you'd want uh and any platform you can watch it you can rent or buy the film um and yeah that would be, be great to support the film and i hope i hope uh you guys like it for sure i loved it so if you guys are listening and you know the story or you don't know the story it's definitely definitely something you want to check out it's an inspiring documentary christopher it was an amazing film obviously i told you that off the air but we really enjoyed it when we came to watch it uh in new york city and it was a great evening but and thank you for coming on thank you man Thanks, and man. once again this was christopher andre marks with king otto and like he said you can find it on apple tv amazon prime and you can watch it right now we'll talk to you again on the next episode this has been grease chats thanks you thank you guys thanks honey thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast if you enjoyed it learned something new or were inspired please share it with a friend and don't forget to check out the prosperity for all your real estate needs in Greece. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.